enough of all that. Let's get into some good stuff today. And I am attempting to do something that I don't know if I've, I've only done maybe one other time. And it's not that I have an aversion to it. It's just something I try to be led of the Lord. And, um, and so the Lord sort of led me in this moment, into this sort of, sort of vein. I'm actually going to do a series, at least for the month of July, uh, for the times that I'll be speaking in the month of July. And I usually don't like to, I don't do that. I usually just every week something new. And, um, and I don't have necessarily, like I said, an, an, an aversion to doing it. It's what if the Lord wants to do it, we'll do it. And, uh, but I want to, I want to do a series and, uh, the purpose is it's called defining moments. And what we're going to be doing in the next several weeks with these define with the defining moments is we're going to be highlighting certain biblical characters and we're going to be looking at their defining moments in their life and how we, even though we are separated by time, how we can relate to the defining moments of their life and how they can be applied to our life. Because if you look at it really today, is that life is measured in moments. It really is. If you look back on your life, if you look back in the memory bank of your life, you are flooded with moments. Very rarely do we remember, a, remember things in its entirety. We remember the moments. Still to this day, it is 17 years later. can't believe it's 17 years later. But I can tell you, almost 17 years later, I guess, in two, three months, I can tell you the exact place I was at when 9-11 took place. I can tell you, that was a a defining moment in our country. It was a defining moment of my life. I remember that day, the, everything. I can remember the sounds, the vividness of everything. I can, I remember the surroundings I was at. I know exactly where I was. I, I remember that day. It was such a moment. I remember my father talking about the fact that he was in school and they came in and said that the president had been shot when Kennedy was shot and killed. Remembers that. I remember my grandfather telling a story of how he heard the news that Pearl Harbor had been attacked on December 7th, 1941, Sunday morning. And on December 8th, he got up, left his little farm town of Jay, Florida, went to a naval Navy recruiting office and was shipped off to the Pacific. It was a defining moment. We all have defining moments. Some defining moments... For me in my life and some of you have parents, uh, my kids being birthed. I'm not a crier. I don't really cry a huge amount, but I wept at the birth of my children. It was a defining moment for me. But I'm not necessarily going to get into the, into the, to the, into your memory bank of your defining moments. I really want to take some spiritual aspects of it, some spiritual context of defining moments and what they mean because these defining moments spiritually will shape us. And make us into the people that God's trying to call us to. And there are defining moments in our walk with God. And how we react to these moments, Pastor Tino, is going to determine how we progress in our walk with God. Because two things will happen. Either you will make the moment or the moment will make you. Either you will define the moment or the moment will define you. And we will see throughout here. But in the defining moments, we've talked about this and we'll use this within context here. But we've been talking about that 
in our awareness of what God's doing in our life, there are four things that we ask ourselves or need to ask ourselves as we process what God's doing. And those four things are, number one, what is God trying to teach me? Number two, what is God revealing to me? What am I seeing differently about God? What am I seeing differently about His Word? What am I seeing that I haven't seen before? Number three, what is God showing me about myself? And finally, number four, what is God trying to get me to change? So in the defining moments that we're going to talk about in this series as we go forward, we will find that the the defining moments of our life spiritually will have the answer to one of those four questions. When we go to a defining moment spiritually, it will answer one of those four, four questions. God is teaching me something. God is revealing something to me. God is trying to show me something about myself or God's trying to change something in me. And that makes it a defining moment. And so we're going to talk about some biblical characters and some biblical stories and some narratives. And we're going to go through these and we're going to show some defining moments. But we're going to start today with a, 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 a character that has a lot of flaws and a lot of things, but had some very defining moments. And so we're going to talk about Peter today. So today is part one of defining moments. And we're going to talk about Peter. And to do that, let's go back to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading verse number 1 to give us a little bit of context as we kind of scroll through the life of Peter here for the next half hour or so. And we look at some defining moments in Peter's life. And what does that tell me about defining moments that I might be facing in my life? And we're going to use Luke because Luke gives us sort of an expanded account of the narrative and how Jesus found Peter. Notice I've said this before and I'll say it again just to give you some context. When you read a gospel, a gospel is not a biography. It was never intended to be a chronological description of the life of Jesus Christ. The gospels were written to convey a message. And because of that, you find that some Gospels will expand on one point more than another. Other Gospels will put the order differently. In fact, we find here in Luke that Jesus in chapter 4 goes to Peter's mother-in-law's house and heals her. And then he finds Peter on the boat. Later on, we find in another Gospel that the mother-in-law situation happened later. Some people say, well, doesn't that show the the fallacy of Scripture that there's an error? It's not error at all. If you and I today were asked, if, 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 if I ask, Ivy, if I ask you today, can you tell us what happened in the gathering? You might tell a different story than me. It won't be that you're trying to be purposely wrong, but you're going to tell the story from your perspective, how you saw it. Certain things she's going to see different than Brother Jonathan back here. But as we kind of put all the pieces together, we can see. So Luke gives us a sort of an interesting dialogue here that let's read. So verse number one. So it was as the multitude pressed him to hear the word of God. And he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. That's just a fancy way of saying Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So this would have been in the morning because as a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, you fished at night. You had the night shift. You didn't go out fishing in the day. You fished all night, 
And then when you came back into shore, you had to spend most of the morning mending your nets, making sure there were no holes, making sure they were in proper order. Because you would go home, you would get washed up, you would probably get some food, then you would take a, you would sleep, then you get up in the evening, you would come back down, and you would go back out and fish. And that was your life. And so, verse 2 says, he saw two fishermen hadn't gone from them and washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put it out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5, but Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and called nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats. So they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinner, sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that had taken. And also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now on you will catch men. So then they brought their nets to the land. They forsook all and followed him. This is sort of the beginning of the defining moment. I don't think Peter, like some of us in this room, got up that or, or, or got off the boat that, that morning after toiling all night and like any frustrated fisherman, caught nothing. I am not a fisherman. I don't profess to be a fisherman. But on occasion, I have gone fishing. Until, Brother Chris, who is our keyboardist here, chartered a boat, said, hey, let's go, will you go fishing? I'm like, well, you know, I'll go fishing. All right, fine, I'll go fishing. I don't want to go fishing, I'll go fishing. So we went out rock fishing. And we toiled. All day. And caught nothing. And I remember sitting on that boat. We had gotten up like two in the morning. God forsake two in the morning. I remember sitting in the little cabin of that boat in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay going back and forth going, this is the dumbest thing. What am I doing? I'm tired. I don't want to be here. We're just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. After I got done off that boat, I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to pray and ask Jesus if I need to go fishing again. But you know what the cool thing about that is? It wasn't my livelihood. But I can't imagine how frustrated it be if that's what you're depending on to be your put food on the table of your family. You're doing it all night long. You're tired. You're weary. You're frustrated. You get to the boat, you get to the boat, you're there trying to go through the chores of washing the net, and this man walks up, not knowing that this was going to be a defining moment of your life. You see, that's the problem with defining moments. They don't announce themselves. You don't get up on Sunday morning, and there's a big booming voice that says, This is God. Today, at 11 a.m., will be a defining moment of your life. Well, if that's the case, I would have been here. Very rarely does God ever give you a hint. 
hey, there's a defining moment about to happen. Hey, just want to let you know, there's a moment that's going to change your life coming up. Very rarely does that ever happen spiritually. Most of the time, when we look back on the defining moments of our spiritual life, we didn't realize that the defining moment was right around the corner. I don't believe the day in the book of Acts chapter 2 when they were praying for day after day and nothing happened that they realized they were about to have a defining moment that was going to change the entire world from that little upper room in Jerusalem. But they kept praying. So the first question is, how do I prepare myself to put myself in a place that I don't miss my defining moment? Well, it tells us right here what happened. Because here's what took place in Peter. Is that obedience to the small things leads to the great blessing of the major things. Watch what he did, right? Jesus shows up. These guys have been there all night. They're tired. They're weary. They stink. They're fishermen. They're frustrated. They're mad. Peter, we already know later down the road, Peter's a hothead. That guy had a temper problem. He's one of those guys you didn't just, you just didn't, you know, we all know those button, you and I don't, we don't, they don't know. We know those button people, right? You just don't push their button. Peter had a giant red one. I can't imagine if, I mean, I, I just picture, I know this is, this is, it's not in the, in the, in the text we just read, but it's, it's my story today. Let me tell it. I can just imagine Peter, it just, just the kind of person he's, he's over there just like, stupid, no, stupid, and this guy shows up and says, Hey, can I borrow your boat? Who are you? But he obeyed. A small step of obedience. And it actually didn't cost him anything. Then, then the test of obedience came. He said, hey, put your boat back out there. Put your nets back down. Um, excuse me, I don't know who you are, uh, but just give you a little lesson. We don't fish in the morning. Number one. Number two, genius, we've been out there all night. We haven't caught anything. What do you make to think that there's fish out there now? But you know what? Whether or not his attitude was right or not, we don't know. We don't know what was going on in his mind. But he obeyed. And when he obeyed, he goes out into the water again, lets down his nets, and the Bible says that there were so many fish, they had to call their friends, and they just loaded up the boat till the boats began to sink. And when he comes back to land, the Bible says he falls down at the feet of Jesus and says, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus looks at him and says, now that you've gotten this little lesson, follow me. The first thing I've got to understand about defining moments is, is that defining moments spiritually come through small acts of obedience. That if I'm not willing sometimes to do the small things, I'm never going to see the big things. See, here's, let me, let me break it down to you. We all need healing, right? Right? So again, we need healing, okay? I got to get healed. I got stuff in my life. Okay, God, I need a defining moment. Heal me. 
Doesn't happen that way, does it? So what do I do? Every Sunday morning, I'm getting up. And I'm going to the gathering. I'm going to worship and praise God. And you know what? Sunday after Sunday, I never get healed. But one day, I come in. Thinking it's going to be like every other day. I lift my hands and worship. And all of a sudden, the presence of God just goes... And my heart feels like it's being mended from the inside. Pieces of heart that have been broken for decades are being mended out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, it becomes a defining moment that when I walk out of those doors, I'm healed. But I would have never had that defining moment if I wouldn't have done the obedience of the small things that I came when I didn't feel like coming. I prayed when I didn't want to pray. I worshiped when I didn't want to worship. I said, thank you, Jesus, when my world was falling around me. What is God trying to get you to do that you're overlooking? Because you want the big defining moments. But he's saying, just do this first. How many of you have a boat say, well, God, don't know, God, that doesn't make sense. I can't get back in that boat and go back out there. I've already failed again. But he said, just do it for me. Because you're about to have a defining moment. If you miss the obedient step to get to the defining moment, you'll never have the moment. Because you've got to do the small thing first. We want the big flash. We want the big miracle. We want the big testimony. We want to be able to say, God, you know, this is what happened. Oh, my God. God is amazing. This is amazing. But what about the small times of obedience that are necessary to get there? How many defining moments have we missed in our life because we've skipped out on the obedience side of things? Because, Brother Bickley, we were looking for the big flash and the neon signs and the big lights. And we missed the defining moment in God because we weren't willing to do the small things. We weren't willing to do the little stuff. And so we missed the defining moments that were going to shape our life. Peter was never the same from that day. His life was completely changed forever. That was a defining moment of his life, but it started with a small, simple act of obedience that led to a greater act of obedience that went against his mental makeup, against his natural man. We talked about it today in Anatomy and Disciple. God brings us to him. Watch, ready? He gives us something that doesn't cost us anything. He gives us himself in redemption through his death on the cross. We didn't pay the price. He pays the price, right? We just accept that gift to him through, through baptism and his spirit being in us and all the things that we do. That brings us to redemption. He didn't call it. Brother, Brother Jolene, I have no scars on my hands. I've got no scars on my feet, no scars on my head. Well, I got a few, but not from thorns. In the f- They're there. They're not there. If I took my shirt off today, there would be nothing in my side from our spear. It didn't cost me anything. He did all the work. But here's the point, right? That's act number one of obedience. But then he says, like we talked about today, okay. Now that you did the act of obedience, it didn't cost Peter anything to give Jesus his boat and let Jesus push it out a little bit and stand there and talk to people. It didn't cost him anything. But the second one cost him something. Because the second one cost him, who's going to be in charge, Peter? 
Are you going to go with what you think as fishermen, the expert? Or are you going to listen to the master? See, we stop with the first act of obedience because it didn't cost us anything. We're not willing to go to the second act of obedience. That's actually going to cost us our will, our way, and what we think is best. But it's that second act that then leads to the revelation that takes place in the defining moment when we realize, wait a minute, this is about to change me. And that defining moment that takes place in Peter's life took place from obedience. We skip forward a little farther and then we come to another major defining moment in Peter's life. And that was the time where Jesus comes walking in the water and Peter's in the boat. He says, Peter, get out of the boat. And a major defining moment that comes in Peter is when it was the moment of the miraculous when Peter stepped out on that water and experienced, oh, he failed. Yes, he did. But for a moment, he walked on water. We preached this several weeks, several weeks ago. I've been in several months, actually. Now we preached a Sunday. We talked Sunday morning on being a water walker. And actually, it's awesome. Uh, all of our small groups now, because of the SIF situation, the, the software we're using, all small groups get to name themselves. So we got, we have some good names. We have, we got Safe Haven. We got Shout. Not that shout you're thinking about. Throw my hands up and, hey, hey, hey. Not that. Don't just, let's bring it back. Come on, help me now. Wait a minute. I feel all. Good Lord, I derail quickly. Oh, God. We have shout. We have others. But we have one. Actually, they're up there today. Brother and sister Ingbo. They are the water walkers. That's the name of their group. They're the water walkers. I love that name. Because I wonder how, how many of you, what's your boat today? What defining moment are you missing out on your life because you're staying in the safety of your boat? Because you're afraid to get out there. And because of that, Peter could have let the moment define him. Instead, of he defined the moment. If he'd have stayed in that boat, he would have missed a defining moment. And the moment would have defined him. Well, Peter, what you could have done. But you're afraid to step out. But what if I fail? Peter failed, but you know what? He walked on water. What defining moment may you be missing out on in your life today because you're afraid to take that step and that defining moment is missing. You're missing that moment and instead of being defined by that moment, that moment's now defining you. How many of you here, don't ask, don't, don't raise your hands, how many of you, you look back on some times where you know what? I wish I'd obeyed God. I wish I would have obeyed God. I wish I would have just prayed. How about this one? Ready? How many defining moments have we missed in the grocery store at the mall? At Sam's Club, at Walmart. Because we heard that voice whisper in us and say, just tell that person I love him. But God, that requires me getting out of my boat. God, it's easy in my boat. I don't need to know who I am. God, I don't want to get on my boat. And we miss a defining moment where if we're willing to step out of the boat and say, listen, I don't, I don't know who you are. You don't know. And I know I sound crazy. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you. All of a sudden, tears start to flow out of their way. You know what? I have woke up this morning and I felt so unloved. I'm so thankful you told me that. All of a sudden, that becomes a defining moment for us. But we missed it because we were too worried about the boat.
How many defining moments have you missed at Walmart? I'm not talking about in a gathering where we're all supposed to be believers. Forget that. I'm talking about outside of here. How many defining moments have you missed? How many times have you driven past your neighbors and missed a defining moment? How many times have you felt the pain of a coworker and missed a defining moment because the boat is just too good to get out of? And you missed a defining moment. We all want the testimonies of a defining moment, but defining moments don't happen in the boat. Defining moments require you to get out of that boat. You want a defining moment? Get out of the boat. And you know what's beautiful? Antioch West, when we wouldn't get out of the boat, God just broke the boat. <laughs> Come on, we know what it is. He's like, I'll throw you a few life preservers. You can cling on, but you're going to float for a while. You don't need a boat. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. At least our boat's got AC today. Thank you, Jesus. So a defining moment starts with obedience. Also, a defining moment starts with us getting out of our comfort zone. You can't have defining moments in your comfort zone. But then here we go a little farther. Ready? Peter had a defining moment of weakness. In fact, Peter didn't just have one defining moment of weakness. Peter just had a bunch of them. Because we know the first one. Jesus proclaims that he's going to have a denial. But what's crazy is all of this takes place. We have the defining moment of Jesus asking Peter to follow him. We have the defining moment of multiples. I skipped through a ton of them for time's sake. But we have the defining moment of get out of water. Then we have the defining. We talked about one last week. I didn't realize it. And I'm kind of sick church in the Lord. And I remember last week, we talked about a defining moment in Peter's life when Jesus turned to him and says, who am I? He said, you are the Lord Christ. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood is not revealed to this, but yet the spirit, and you shall be Peter. Upon this rock. Certain defining moments change our identity. There are defining moments that if we allow God to bring us to the defining moments, it will change our identity. There will be a defining moment in your walk with God. Well, you'll stop being a sinner. You'll be a son. You'll stop identifying yourself as a sinner. You'll go to a son. There'll be a defining moment when you stop being a prodigal and you start being a restored son. Defining moment. But we go to Peter. Peter had, see, we always looked at defining moments as great, happy things. But sometimes defining moments can be where our weakness is exposed. Peter had multiples. And it was a series of progression, right? It's all there. Luke gives us the account. First defining moment, Jesus says to Peter, he said, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, I'm not. There you are. No, I'm not. I will never leave you. Where you go, I'm going. No, you're not. He said, in fact, before the crock, the, the cock throws the third time, you're going to deny me. What? Kidding me? No way. Then, what's the crazy part about this is, is that after the warning of what was going to take place, after what was going to happen, you would think, there would be an urgency in Peter that, you know what? I'm not going to let the moment define me, but I'm going to define the moment. Because you know what? Today, if I stood before here, I believe uh, most of you in here, if I said to you, 
God just spoke to me and here's what's about to happen in your life. I believe a lot of you would, you would say, you know what? I don't want that. And you would define the moment. But Peter let the moment define him because what happened? Mark says, it's crazy. So Jesus goes off to the garden and here's what Mark says. Mark 14, 37. So Jesus is praying, right? This is a major moment. This is a, a, a huge defining moment for Jesus. And while he's having that, Peter's having his own defining moment. Because the Bible says, Mark 37, then he came and found them sleeping. Said to Peter, are you sleeping? I don't think Jesus said, uh, Simon, are you sleeping? I think Jesus had a little bit of an attitude. Are you sleeping? Uh, at least I would have I done that. I'd have thrown in, are you kidding me in there too? Are you sleeping? Are you kidding me? That's in the new King James, King James, other King James version. And then he asked him, could you not watch one hour? Now ready, here he goes, ready? He gives it to him again. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay, well fine. Okay, you warned me about the denial thing. I missed that. I fell asleep, but I got it this time. Verse 39, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. He returned and found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to answer him. I noticed that. I love that. They didn't even know it. They had no excuse. We don't know what Jesus said to them that second time. All we just know is the Bible says they had no answer for him. I get one time. Second time, maybe. Didn't stop there. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Then Jesus, I love this. Ready? What did Jesus say? It is enough. The hours come. Instead of Peter defining the moment, He allowed his flesh to have the moment to find him. I know what Jesus promised. I get it. I know what Jesus said. You're going to deny me three times. But I believe that if Peter would have fallen down on his face, began to call out to God and say, God, whatever's in my heart that's going to allow me to do that, help me. I believe he could have changed. But in his response to God's warning, he fell asleep once, twice, three times. I said this earlier. This morning, I'll say it again for those of you who aren't here. How many defining moments are we trying to fix? How many defining moments are we missing? God's told us, Sister Owens, if you keep heading down this road, It's going to end bad. But we come and we fall asleep spiritually in gathering after gathering. And God's mercy and grace says, wake up! Because you're about to have a defining moment, but not the moment you want. Wake up! Come again. Second time, we're still asleep. Come again the third time, we're still asleep. And God says, you know what? Finally, it's enough. But I love the whole thing, right? Because here's what takes place. This is so beautiful, the picture of what, the way we, we as humans, right? So here's Peter. Okay, let's just get the picture. I'm almost done. What time is it? Oh, I got like two minutes. Here's Peter, right? 
This is the whole picture. You know, he has this conversation with Jesus. You're going to deny me. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. 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 So Peter, then, right? So the next thing you know, Peter, oh, I'll go pray with you, Lord. I'll pray with you. I got your back. I told you I'm not leaving you. One sleep, two sleeps, three sleeps. After the third sleep, you know that guy was hammered. Come on, let's just be honest. We all been there, right? We just, like those kids coming back on the bus from camp. They couldn't even, their eyes had just, they were just glassed over. And that's fear, right? You just, I mean, it's one of those tires where you sit for five seconds, you're gone. But here's how Peter fixed it, right? Soldiers come. All of a sudden, that joker goes from half asleep. I got you, Jesus. I fixed it. Because I told you I got your back. I fixed it for you. But he fixed it in his own flesh. Because he was sleeping. And he missed a defining moment. And then though he created his own defining moment. Trying to fix the one he missed. How many times have we made a bad situation worse because we fell asleep during the defining moment and been trying to fix the one we missed? We make a bad situation worse. We offend somebody and instead of going to them and forgiving them and asking them to say, please forgive me, we try to make it better, but we actually make it worse. And Peter tried to make a bad situation worse. He had fallen asleep three times. He knew Jesus was upset with him. In fact, Jesus just finally just gave him the, it's enough. Just, just, you, you guys are ridiculous. It's enough. Peter said, I'll fix it. And cut off the ear of thy priest. We know the story. Jesus reaches down, puts the ear back on. And the beauty about this whole story is we focus on the high priest. But that miracle had nothing to do with the high priest. Because you can go to heaven without an ear. That had to do with Peter. That showed the beauty and the grace of Jesus Christ even in the midst of our frailties and our humanities and moments that could define us that his grace ends up changing the narrative, our defining moments. Because there are things in here today, can I tell you, that if you don't let God's grace in you, they will be your defining moment. But thank be to God that his blood and his grace and his mercy can change the narrative of your defining moment. Instead of it being a moment of weakness, it can be a moment of triumph because Jesus reaches down and puts the ear back on that fellow. You know why? Because if he'd have showed back up to the high priest, what happened to your ear? One of those fellows Jesus hangs out with cut it off because he struck the priest, high priest guard. It was like he was struck the high priest and it was a law. It was a crime punishable by death. And he would have been taken and killed. But the mercy of God reached down and said, I'm going to cover your mistake. Because I'm not going to let this mistake define you. Book of Acts would have never happened with that with Peter in it. It would have been somebody else. It would have been and John stood up on the day of Pentecost and spoke. It would have been Andrew stood up on the day of It would have been somebody else. But it was Peter who stood on the day of Pentecost and spoke the words and changed the world from that moment from Jerusalem going forward. But he would never have had a Pentecost if it wasn't for Jesus changing the narrative of his defining moment. I know what society says. 
It's always going to be this way. This is a defining moment. You're, you messed up. It's over with. It's over. It's always going to be. You're going to carry the stain of this defining moment. But can I tell you today, there's a healer that can reach down into your mess and say, I can change the narrative of this defining moment. You can sit here today and you can let the moments of your life define you. And you can say, well, that's just a mistake I made. That's just the way it's going to be. And I'm always going to be that way. Or you can let the healer change the narrative to the defining moments. The question is, are you going to define the moment or is the moment going to define you? Peter, you've got to make a choice. Are you going to be known as... Boy, that Peter could have been something. He just lost his temper. And that was it. Are you going to let the healer change your narrative so that instead of the moment defining you, you can define the moment? Because you know what? I know people in here today that God has done that. I know people here today that says, I was abused. When I was a kid, that defined me. But now I'm healed because now I'm defining the moment. I am here today to say, I used to be this. I used to be addicted to that. I used to be in prison to that. But now they say, I'm free. Instead of being defined by that, I'm now defining. Paul said, such were some of you. So whatever your situation is here today, whatever defining moment you're facing today that relates to Peter, maybe God's trying to get you to do a small step of obedience so that you can have an, a, a larger blessing of a defining moment. But you've got to take that step of obedience. Maybe that step of obedience doesn't make any sense to you right now. Didn't make any sense to Peter. Why would I launch my boat back out? into the place where there was no fish. But the obedience led to the defining moment. Or maybe you're trying to have a defining moment today in your boat, but you can't have defining moments in the boat. Or maybe today you've let a time of weakness become your defining moment. But let God change the narrative so that you can define your own moment. Today, if I ask you, it would be probably a painful thing for some of us to look back and see the opportunities we missed out on. The what could have been, the what should have been, the what might have been. If I'd only done this, I could have done been there. If, I, if I'd only just taken one more time of sacrifice, if I would have just been willing to just work a little harder. And so we become defined by what we've missed out on. But through the grace and mercy of God, he can change the narrative of all that. The question is, what is your defining moment? And the challenge is, will you be prepared for your next defining moment? Or are you going to miss it out because you weren't willing to do the small time, small acts of obedience? It's hot. 109 heat index. My phone went off this morning at 7 o'clock. Warning. Heat index. I hit the button. It said 109. I said, thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, help us. 
You know what we'd all want to do today? We all want to go home, get in our house, turn the AC on and don't move. But what if that small act of obedience of going and getting lunch and driving in the heat and go to a small group today? A little bit of sacrifice, but obedience because that's what I want to be a part of. And today a small group could be a defining moment. Like, well, okay, brother, okay. Well, what if it's not? But what if it is? What if it's just like every other one's? But what if it's not just like every other one's? Come on, those of you that have been around, we all know, you know, you, you've been to 732 consecutive church gatherings without missing one. On 733, you're not there, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, like, with angels, and there was, like, the roof was falling in, and there was glowing, and someone levitated. You're like, I knew I should have been there. Are you kidding me? I was there all the time. No one levitated. I'm not there. Someone levitated. I missed the whole thing. Come on, we've been there, right? What defining moment will you miss out on because you just weren't willing to do the small things? How about this week when you go out and you live your life at work, go to the store, go to the mall, hanging out, eating hot dogs and hamburgers, partying on the 4th of July. What defining moment will you miss out on because you're not willing to get out of the boat? Better yet, what defining moment of weakness are you going to continue to let define you without relying on the mercy and grace of God to change the narrative? Would you stand this morning? Defining moments. Defining moments. Defining moments. What are the defining moments of your life that you're missing What are the defining moments of your life that God's trying to prepare you for? What is God doing in your life right now that he's preparing you for a defining moment that's about to come? Are you willing to do the obedient things that are necessary for God to bring you a defining moment? That you'll be able to stand up and say, I want to testify. This is what God did. But when we roll back the tape, we'll find that God did that because you did the small things. We've had people t- stand here before that gave us stories of the defining moment of what they used to be, but when God rewrote the narrative and changed the definition. God is able. Father, we thank you today. You are so good. You're so loving. You are so kind. You're so merciful. I pray today that this was not just the words of a man or the exercise of religion just to go through here and through the motions, but in this moment, in these words, there was life because it was your words, it was your, your word being spoken. And God, there would be a challenge in us that you would challenge our hearts and our spirits beyond the moment, beyond this moment of just reflection. But as we leave this place and go out from this place, that it would take us beyond the moment. That next week, Or the week after, when you have already predestined and preplanned, it was going to be a defining moment that we don't miss that defining moment because we're not willing to be obedient in our small things. I speak all these things. Pray all these things. Let your grace guide us. Let your mercy cover us. Let your blood wash us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak these things. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Have a wonderful 4th of July.
Make sure you greet somebody. If you could, help us take up a chair. We could get this done in just a few minutes. God bless you. Go in peace. Be blessed in Jesus' name. And go have a defining moment this week. Amen.